Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at DaughterSTPaul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. And today we are joined by Sister Barbara. Hi, hello, Sister hello. Barbara. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. And you all are ready to evangelize. We are. <laughs> we, we are. are. Here we yes. go. Yeah. Here we go. Sister, you are visiting us from where now? We're uh, I'm visiting from St. Louis, Missouri. And sister, you don't have to give an exact number, but um, about how long have you been a daughter of St. Paul and how did you first meet us? Well, I'm a daughter of St. Paul. My my entry date was 63 years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, my profession date was 1964. Okay. My first vows. And how did you first meet us? Uh, actually, uh, my family, uh, we're, we were expecting a new member of our family. My mother was carrying David. And um, two sisters, my, my parents wrote a note to the teacher saying that I wouldn't be in today because my mother was expecting that day. And um, so I was home and two daughters of St. Paul were visiting Philadelphia. And on their way home, they were coming down our street. They were going towards the uh, uh, L, which is uh, the train in Philadelphia. They said, let's try a few houses here. So they knocked on the door. I answered the door and my eyes were big as saucers because I wanted to be a sister and <laughs> oh, I was taught wow. by sister. And um, But I, I was rather young. So anyway, in, in my heart, I kept saying, please, God, make them ask me if I want to be a sister. Oh, wow. <laughs> please, God, make them ask me. And then finally, Sister Mary Tecla piped up oh, and said, did you ever think of becoming a sister? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um, they came back. Uh, that was in um, May. And they came back during Christmas vacation from school. And they asked if I wanted to go back with them to Staten Island, New York, from Philadelphia, and um, to spend like a little weekend with them. Hmm. So my parents gave me permission to go because I was be- uh, was before my high school age. Mm-hmm. And um, when I came back, I said, this is it. And I said to my parents, this is it. I have to go. That's so, so cool. So that was... Um, and that was when the sisters were still doing door-to-door evangelization, right? Yes, they were. But in, in, in Philadelphia, they, we didn't have a common. So they came from New York to visit okay. some benefactors oh, okay. and to show new titles of books to them. And that's when they decided on the way back down to the train to stop and visit some families. Amazing. So my, um, my mother was home, and um, she obtained the Eternal Wisdom, Bible Stories for Tots, um, and other books, uh, mm-hmm. one on Santeres and one on um, Padre Pro from Mexico. Oh, cool. And I read and read and reread them and so on. <laughs> yeah, and did so. you do door-to-door evangelization for a while yourself? Yes, I did from 1962 up until about 1984. Oh, wow. wow. You were a pro. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So wow. I could tell a very interesting story if you'd like sure. to hear it. yeah. Um, there was a gentleman, I'll, I'll never forget this story, the sisters were at um, the doorstep of a, of a house, and um, 
they rang the doorbell and then a lady came to the door with, she was like white as a ghost. And she said, who are you? And he said, oh, they're daughters of St. Paul and so on. And we're visiting with our, our uh, publications. And she said, well, the doorbell has not rung for 38 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, um, and come to find out that her father had not been to confession for a very, very, very long time. Wow. So the sisters were able to put um, the, the gentleman and the, and the daughter mm -hmm. in, in touch with the priest mm. who could administer the sacrament of reconciliation. Wow. So anyway. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. there were many stories like that. Uh, we would find out that a person passed away and... We had just visited them and oh, wow. got them in contact with the church. Mm. So uh, that's very, amazing. Um, very beautiful uh, conversion stories and mm -hmm. uh, young people coming back to church, et cetera. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So, Sister, <laughs> what is the Bible passage that you've picked for us to pray with today? I, I picked Jesus visits Martha and Mary. All right. That's from uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Of Luke, right. Okay. Would you mind reading that for us? I don't mind at all. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down at the feet of the Lord and listened to his teaching. Martha was upset over all the work she had to do, so she came and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over, over so many things, but just one is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. So, so what, what drew you to this passage? What made you want to share with it? Well, um, I'm the oldest of a large family, and um, sometimes I, I see the Martha in me, <laughs> and other times I would go upstairs in front of the Sacred Heart picture and tell Jesus I wanted to spread the gospel to the whole world mm. and uh, in some way or form. And I, I said, I don't think I could teach in school and I don't know if I could nurse, but could you find some way that I can help thousands of people? And I used to stop in church on the way home from school and say the same prayer over and over again. I think he got tired of hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> when the sisters came, Sister Mary Teclo, one of them, and Sister Adelaide, who has since uh, passed away, said those words. Oh, wow. We don't teach in schools directly, but we <laughs> teach through our books. We don't work in hospitals, but we help those who are ill to come back to the Lord, mm -hmm. ill in the sense of spiritual mm -hmm. and and also physically, because when we're when we pray, we um it's it are it actually helps our health too. Sure. So and then the rest is history. I <laughs> they came back to Philadelphia on another trip and then another trip and then within one year I entered the order. Wow. Yeah, 59, 1959. Amazing. So, so um, this really has a reflection in your own life, this passage. Yes. So there's the Martha in me because I had my little um, regimen on Saturday. I'd get up, have my breakfast, and then start cleaning the living room and the dining room and the kitchen. My mother would say, like, 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Whatever's <laughs> uh, motivating you. Oh, she didn't even ask. You just did it. it. Up. I just did it. Oh. Yes. I was, I was <laughs> like a little child. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then on the way home from school, I would stop in church and pray. And um, there was um, a family next door that ha they had an elderly uncle that lived with them, and he used to go up to church mm -hmm. to uh, pray. So I would follow him. It was just a block away. And we would go all the way up to the altar rail, and he would pray um, the Angelus, which when I wasn't in school, I would forget the answer to the prayer. So he would say, <laughs> the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, he was a little deaf. So. And then he'd say, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, the Lord accepted my... Uh, Offering. Lack of memory <laughs> from school, and uh, so I. And then I would spell out to Jesus what kind of mission I would like to have in life. Mm. So there was the part of me that wanted to be a contemplative, and the other part that wanted to be active in spreading God's word. Okay, what so, I love about that though is that you are standing there telling Jesus what you what job he want you want him to give you, which is like <laughs> it just sounds like such a thing that Martha of Bethany would yeah, do, would do. <laughs> like just the way that she would run up. Like we we had a um, an episode not too long ago with with Sister Chelsea Bethany, and um, talking about the the family at Bethany and and just about how how Martha just really being willing to put herself completely in front of the Lord and just vulnerably and frankly tell him exactly what she's Help, thinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So. so there's also like the element of complaining. <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. um, but the redeeming for me also um, lately, not lately, but quite a while ago, um, Martha came to mind again and she could have been like, that's it. I'm done with Jesus. Was she correcting me in public, and I'm finished. You know, hello, how are you? <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> but he was raising Lazarus from the dead, and um, and he said, "Do you believe I can do this?" In, in sort of another mm -hmm. way of of saying it, he he asked for faith, and she said, "I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Mm -hmm. And so that part of Martha that that still venerated him, adored him, loved him. Um, so so that's what I admire in Martha. And then, of course, the Mary in me wants to be, um, like, contemplative all the time in my heart, no matter what I do. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember when I first entered postulancy myself, I entered with another lovely young woman. And I always felt like we were a bit of a Martha Mary like pair um, because she she was very naturally more inclined to the contemplative aspect. And I was naturally more inclined to the active. And it was it was so helpful for us to be together to kind of challenge one another on both um, and to help each other grow in both was so helpful because in all of our lives, most of us tend one way or another naturally. And to have people in our lives who can help balance us out, because all of us need some aspect of contemplation, right? Like that's how we get to know the Lord, sitting before him, looking upon his face, talking to him, letting him talk to us. Um, and over and over in the Old Testament, it talks about that act of contemplation, like contemplating the Lord as something that brings delight mm -hmm. and and knowing. Um, but on the other hand, if we never do anything with that, <laughs> if we never <laughs> let it change us, if we never let it affect how we reach out to others, whether it's people in our own circle or people beyond, 
then it hasn't borne fruit. It's dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's so cool to see with these two sisters how Jesus brings that out in Martha because she is the one who complains. And I, I think it's hilarious how we always just assume she's the oldest because technically speaking, we don't know, but like <laughs> we just know that she must be. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's true. Any integrated life really requires both parts. And I, I have to say, I cringe every time this gospel comes up. And almost, I would say like nine times out of ten, the homily ends up being something about how um, like we need to imitate Mary and not Martha. And Martha needed to chill out and Martha, Martha. was wrong and blah, blah, blah. But that's not, the, that's not what Jesus said at all. Um, he didn't say, Martha, you're doing something wrong. He said, Mary has chosen the better part, not the only good part. Mm-hmm. And right. I, was, I came across a, a passage from Pope St. Gregory, Gregory the Great uh, who said, um, Martha's care is not blamed, but Mary is praised. For greater the rewards of an active life, but those from the contemplative are even better. Hence Mary's part, it is said, will never be taken away from her. For the works of an active life pass away with the body, but the joys of the contemplative life begin to increase from the end. So so his point is like, Mary's doing the thing we will be doing in heaven. So that's going to last forever. Martha's taking care of the body that will eventually be in the grave, right? Mm-hmm. And so so that thing's not going to last forever. So So naturally... One is better than the other. But that doesn't mean we do away with the one. There's a great quote from St. Augustine who says, so do we just then leave the poor in their poverty? Because, yeah. you know, the works of mercy are just we just throw them out. We mm-hmm. don't worry about them because Jesus did this, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the answer is pretty self-evident. Like, clearly, no. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I think Martha became a bit of a contemplative. Oh, absolutely. After, after um, a while because... She heard Jesus's voice. Absolutely. She loved him. She uh, attested to his divinity, the son of the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would yeah, like to think got... that Mary became a little more active. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, you know, right, like, right, I would right. like to think that, or like, I'd like to see that happen too, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found, I was going through and finding different passages in scripture where it talks about contemplation or hospitality. And I found a lot in the Old Testament, but the one that made me laugh was from the New Testament. It's from the first letter of Peter, who was there (laughs) for this whole interaction. And in his first letter, he writes to the people he's writing to, not to Mary and Martha, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you do kind of wonder what you're thinking about this. Like, why? Well, just let her listen. <laughs> but I, I always really appreciated that because I think it shows, because as you brought out, Sister Barbara, that was a public correction. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit humiliating. That mm-hmm. that can sting. And the fact that Martha took it in stride really does speak to her humility in that moment. And it also speaks, I think, to Mary's humility because she was automatically put in an awkward situation when her sister interrupted Jesus' teaching <laughs> to complain about what she was doing in front of everybody. So I think it's a really beautiful moment of healing for both of the sisters mm. and a really beautiful teaching moment for all of the men who were present who were expected to be sitting there listening. And I think that that's so important because very often it's very easy to extend hospitality while grumbling. Um, <laughs> I think we can all take a step back and think of either our own lives or or as children watching what our parents did or what our parish did. 
it's very rare that you would host someone that you didn't know well or weren't very comfortable with or even your own family. And when they leave, you don't complain about something that happened or something they did or something you wish would have been different or what you did wrong with the food or like mm -hmm. something always goes wrong and you complain about it. But I love that Peter kind of pulls out this like, what is our focus on here in our hospitality? He's kind of calling in the verse above, like, let the focus be on love. And love comes from that contemplative gaze, from that from that knowing. So even when we're with one another, the way that we extend the hospitality of Christ to others does involve an element of being able to listen to them and to let them speak to you and looking upon their face, you know, and getting to know them. And in doing that, in that contemplation of the other, we allow ourselves to see Christ in them and we allow them, God willing, to see Christ through us. Right? Mm -hmm. right, through our listening, the way he listens to us. Kind of like you were saying, like he listened to the repetition of that prayer you said over <laughs> and over and over again with love, right, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other redeeming quality of um, Martha in this particular situation is when she went out to meet Jesus, who is coming to, to uh, cure Lazarus. And um, Mary wasn't there yet. So she went all the way back to to Mary and said, the master is here and is asking for you. And then she went back to Jesus again. Mm -hmm. So um, there was no like um, rift between the uh, the sisters. They, right, yeah, they like accepted each other's um, weaknesses and strengths. The relationship yeah. stayed intact yeah. for sure, yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's actually also a really beautiful lesson in correction <laughs> that – it's okay to be corrected. It's okay to be corrected mm -hmm. by Jesus. It's okay to be corrected by our loved ones or our friends. And really, especially when that correction is coming out of a place of love, even if it's frustrated, half thought through love, which is <laughs> kind of what Martha's coming at it from. Um, that's how we grow with one another too, right? Like, Yeah. I was thinking um, to that point of like the integration that our lives are kind of require both. I noticed when I was praying with this the other day, that it is immediately preceded, this passage is immediately preceded by the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm. right, who picks up a stranger off the street and takes him to an inn and makes sure that he's totally taken care of. Um, and then it's immediately followed by Lord teach us to pray mm -hmm. and and the giving of the Lord's prayer. And so it it almost is like the bridge from this story about selfless giving and action and 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 love and charity and who is my neighbor and it goes it goes straight from that into the lord's prayer it's almost like a bridge kind of holding right, those two right. pieces together right. mm -hmm. i think we can often kind of fall into a trap of not that it's wrong to like acknowledge which one you're more called to because i think a lot of people are really called in a particular way to the gift of service and some people in a very profound way to the gift of contemplative intercessory prayer right we see that even in religious life there's mm -hmm. active orders and contemplative orders but even within that we have to be very careful not to say this is my special calling therefore not nothing else of humanity applies to me <laughs> like <laughs> i don't need to do anything else because this is my special contribution there, there is an element there of almost like misidentifying who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so beautiful to be able to see if you have a gift towards one way or the other, to celebrate it and to understand that everything else around it is actually informing that gift. It's not taking away from it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the the people who really are ca- called to service, like I remember one of the deacons in my parish who was so active doing so much outreach that's so essential. The times I see him in quiet prayer, like he's deep in there because that is the food that's going to nourish yeah. his service. And likewise, the people who really are called to contemplative intercessory prayer, like I think of St. Therese, who you mentioned, like she let that change how she interacted with the people around her. And that was the reason that people could understand what she was contemplating, how it was changing her. And it was because of those actions that people could follow her. Like they understood where this was coming from and where it was going. So I think it's really important to be able to share the fruit and and the food, like the root of, of everything that we're doing, regardless of which element we're more called to. Mm-hmm. I think another example that I think of as you're talking about even uh, Therese and, and some of these other examples, like Mother Teresa, you mm-hmm. know, um, the way that she would describe seeing the face of Christ and seeing his thirst in the person that she was serving, you know, mm-hmm. like that that's a mystical experience. That's that comes from a deep contemplation that that makes her able to to recognize the Lord, the face of the Lord when he appears to her in, in those places and in those yeah. ways. And and so it's again, it's the two going together. Because also what is service without without any of the holy, you know, right. brought into it? What is service without the love of God being being a component of what we're doing? You know, it's um it, it fails to address the entire person. It fails to address like all of the needs of a person. Um it fails to acknowledge the end goal of our life, you know, it doesn't it doesn't point toward heaven in the same way um, if it's just human needs that are being met. So it's it's really beautiful to see that there's we feel something different, you know, and like even even in that example, like people all over the world could feel something different in the way that she did exactly what so many other charities were doing in certain some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but but through the eyes of faith and and uh, and with the face of Jesus really strongly represented both to herself and to the people that she's serving. I actually think, too, in a way, this passage really pulls in the idea of communion with one another and kind of almost challenges it, our idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really beautiful to see how Martha was was giving of herself in that moment because Coming from a Middle Eastern family myself, it is no joke when people come over to your house. It's not like you lay out chips and everything's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> no way. Like, she was cleaning before that happened. She will be cleaning after that happened. She put on the whole spread. Like, otherwise, it would not be acceptable. And people will be like, what the heck? Like, they don't want to see her, right? But knowing that if she knew that they were coming ahead of time, if she had any previous warning, she would have been doing those preparations. And if she didn't have previous warning, she was frantically trying to do them as they were there. Mm-hmm. All of that energy she's pouring in so that they can be attentive to the Lord, but they're helping her to be attentive too. And it's that balance we have with one another that really helps us to kind of commune with the Lord. And at the same time, when we're in communion with the Lord, we love who he loves, right? Like the closer we get to his heart, the more we care about him, the more we care about the people he loves. Mm-hmm. So it's really not possible to truly have a, a deepening relationship with the Lord and getting to know him more and more and not care more about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because that would be like Sister Barbara. Like that would be like me becoming a sister and being like, yeah, but I don't I don't care about 
your family. Like, don't don't tell me about your family. Like, that mm-hmm. would not be indicative of a sisterly relationship or of a, of a growing relationship. But something that I've always found really moving amongst the daughters of St. Paul is our family members really are kind of adopted mm-hmm. <laughs> by one another. And, you know, we, we may not click with people's families, but we care about them mm-hmm. and we're interceding for them. And um, and that is an aspect of communion, you know, coming to fulfillment in a small way on the earth, which is so powerful. I think about it from the other side, too. For some reason, the image is coming to me of um, some of my very favorite moments when I was when I was young, when I was a child was family gatherings for like major holidays, um, but not like the full day, not the full gathering, not the whole whatever. It was just like the last hour or two was was my favorite thing because um, our family and all of my mom's uh, sisters and their kids and just so all the cousins and just there, there would be a bunch of people over at grandma's house. <laughs> and and it was, you know, the big spread and the big whatever and all the all the planning and all the games and all the whatever. And and it was fun and it was crazy and it was just like a bunch of people in a pretty small space just being loud and goofy and whatever. But then the very end of the day when everyone's eaten, all the games are played, things are kind of cleaned up, and we would all just kind of be sitting in the living room and ready to, I don't know, watch a movie together or um, or just talking or just something very simple. And I always remember... I remember the sound of the dishwasher running in the in the kitchen, and I remember it just being super cozy, having everybody in the room together. And one thing that I remember is being like anxious for whoever was like still kind of usually it was grandma, just still kind of piddling around in the kitchen taking care of little things. Yeah. I just wanted her to come be with us. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted her to come join us and be in the room and have us all in one room together. And I don't know why that's exactly coming to me right at this moment, except for just that sense of. That sense of communion, too, where when it's time to put the hospitality down and just be with each other. Um, Because you know that later in the day, Martha had time to also sit at the feet of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. she obviously heard him well enough to be able to say later, you know, that she knew who he was and that he was he was the life and that he could do, you know, whatever, whatever he asked the father would do. So she clearly heard enough of what he had to say. She clearly sat at his feet long enough to get there. And um and so also to to not let to not let things become a distraction and to to really allow that communion too of of just calm being together mm-hmm. you know to be a i don't know what i'm trying to say to be like something that we to be present yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. to be present to to but to allow to allow it to become a priority mm-hmm. um i still have to learn that there's a lot of martha still in <laughs> <laughs> me where it's like, you know, actually that that last dish that needs to be scrubbed, it's okay if it soaks overnight. Or it's okay, you know, like sometimes right, it's okay right. to just let that be yeah. so that we can be with the people. And the other thing that impressed me was that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And uh, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, it's those who listen, hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I, I know personally I... I uh, overtake the Lord <laughs> in conversation. I mm-hmm. do all the talking, but I think he's saying, whoa, um, would you like to just <laughs> want to know what I have to say? Yeah. You know, something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really I really feel Jesus is calling Martha and Mary. Um, mm-hmm. Mary, 
who's listening already, but and and Martha to listen and Mary to help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so but our 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 spirituality in the Pauline family is both contemplative and active. Mm-hmm. Uh, the founder um, sort of blended the two mm-hmm. in our roles and everything. So yeah, he would use the phrase contemplatives in action. In yeah. action, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, I think even being able to explore the tension between those two, that contemplation and that action is so pivotal for our lives as Daughters of St. Paul. I know a lot of people are really shocked sometimes when, you know, they're trying to get a contact, uh, hold of me and I'm like, I'm not free. And they're like, how are you not free? You probably work nine to five, right? I'm like, yeah, but then I pray like four more hours. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. and, and that can be really shocking to people to hear that you would work and also pray so much together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really is those two things coming together is where the fruit comes from. And it's also what really deepens profoundly and pushes us deeper, even when we might not be pushing ourselves into a radical reliance on the Lord and into a real capacity for for bringing people to him almost unashamedly, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to to bring people to him and trust Um and that's been really moving for me to see kind of unfold in the people around me as I've as I've uh, grown in my own vocation. But also, it's been really moving for me to see in my own friends as they mature in their lives, um, that that finding that balance in themselves has been so cool. And fi- watching them learn to listen to the Lord's voice and recognize it, I get chills when I talk about it. Like, it's kind of like when your kid realizes like some some like you know, foundational concept for the first time. And you're like, wow, he understands future. (laughs) You know, like when you play peekaboo and the kid finally realizes, no, you're still there, Mm -hmm. but you're still there. Like, it's actually a really amazing moment, even though the game gets wrecked. (laughs) But but it's kind of like that, like watching someone grow into that is one of the most humbling experiences. And knowing that finally they've learned what he sounds like, not to say that they won't question it at some point in the future, but what he sounds like, how to listen, like you're saying, like pulling out that element of listening and being able to come to that core. One of the most important prayers in the Jewish faith was the Shema, like, which is a prayer about listening. And it ends with love to others, like mm-hmm. that, that listening to that love and receiving that love that flows out of us, right? Like, what is what does Jesus say? Jesus say like packed down and flowing over. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the blessing and the love that He gives us to flow out to others, so that they can hear that voice too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking a little bit about receptivity too. Like mm-hmm. um, just the idea. I kind of like to imagine that had Martha just done what she was doing and not complained about anything and just kind of let it be, and then came and joined the rest of the group. That like maybe at the end of the meal, Mary would have gotten up and cleaned up. Like I kind of like to imagine that like <laughs> in some way, like they kind of would have reversed roles for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it made me think a little bit of um, of our own annual retreats uh, when we have like a sister who's kind of in the kitchen cooking, preparing all the meals, doing some of the cleaning, like doing some of the arranging of things. And then 30 or 40 sisters just on silent retreat, just with the Lord, just in chapel and that that's the intention, that that's mm-hmm. what we've come there to do. That's that's the expectation. And um, and the sister in kitchen will also have her time on retreat. Yeah. And some of us who are on retreat will have will be helping in kitchen later. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's uh, 
like being able to provide that space for each other to have the time at the feet of the Lord and mm-hmm. to be receiving what he has to offer, not only what he has to offer us in our contemplation, but also what he has to offer to us through those around us. And being able to just receive that as gift without it being any kind of a guilt thing or without right. it being any kind of a, um, I don't know, feeling spoiled or like anything like that. But just that this is what he's offering and this is where he wants us to be right now. And and that that can play out. Yeah, it's a, it's a very clear scenario on, on the <laughs> annual retreat, but then it can play out in so many other ways, I think, in our daily life of like just the way that we can be attentive to one another and to serve one another. And the more that we do that, the more we all f- we also have to become open to re- being on the receiving end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be just as hard as for some people, the hard part is to get up and do the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for others, the hard part is to not get up and do the thing. That's something that I always did wonder Like, was Mary drawn there out of curiosity or did she recognize her own need, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that vulnerability for us to recognize our own need and to say, you know what, I'm really sorry, I I just need half an hour to pray. Mm -hmm. That sounds weird. Like, to a lot of people, that would be a very weird request. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's the most natural request that we could possibly make. I remember... It was, I think it was in Boston. Um, my mom came to visit and we went out to a Lebanese restaurant and um, one of the families working there was Muslim and it came time that it was one of their five um, times of the day to pray. And sure enough, like they they made it happen even though the store had to remain open. There were two people there. One took the counter. The other person went and there was really no room in the store, but the, the guy found room like in a little corner. And I mean, you could see him. There was no private place to go, but he found the most private place he had. He put down the mat and he began to pray and like kind of in the middle of the store. And I was very impressed by that because I was like, you know what? I wish everyone had the freedom to recognize that I need to pray right now, mm-hmm. you know, and to be unashamed to request a moment to step away or to be unashamed, at least interiorly, because obviously there's moments where you can't just announce <laughs> to the world <laughs> that you need to pray. But at least interiorly to step back and pray within you, like if if we had less shame around that or less feelings of guilt as though we should be doing something else or, or as though this is a weird thing that only we're experiencing and it's not normal, that could not be further from the truth. It is our primary call, our first call. Mm -hmm. And if we are able to build those moments in, even for ourselves interiorly, and even exteriorly, if and when it is appropriate or possible, like that can change the world. Like the the floodgates of grace that that opens upon the world, you cannot underestimate that, the grace of that prayer, you know? Yeah, I experienced that at the Boston um, airport because they have a chapel there. And I was waiting because other sisters had to be dropped off to different uh, gates. A gentleman uh, came into the chapel, which is, I'm not sure if at that time the Blessed Sacrament was present, but he stayed after the last pew and he bowed Mm -hmm. and he was praying. And I was like, wow, this is so beautiful uh, to to see the the faith he had. But he did come and pray um, and People passing by could see, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was beautiful experience. Yeah. I'm always so grateful when places like schools or airports or hospitals make 
a sacred space for people to be able to go and and be with the Lord in silence, or at least some semblance of silence, <laughs> and and just to acknowledge that this is as important as having a washroom or mm-hmm. or having a cafeteria, or mm-hmm. like this is as important. We need a room like this. Right. And I know that not every airport chapel has the Blessed Sacrament. Thankfully, in Boston, we do. <laughs> but but it is especially moving when when you walk in and and you get that little surprise of like oh. You're, You're here. here like double, <laughs> yeah. you know, like extra here. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to provide that space for others too. I mean, like even just this morning, I texted Sister Oriane and I said, there's a meeting happening and I think I need a little interior time. Is it okay? <laughs> Can you take my place in this meeting? And she did it, you know? So it's like just being able to provide that for each other. But then that means we have to recognize when we need it and ask mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. too. And, um, Another, just another thing to add for what our founder did, because before we didn't have, we well, we had um, meditation, morning prayer, mass, and an hour of adoration. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, maybe you've heard this before. I love this story, yeah. And then after um, the council, the founder added an extra half hour of prayer. And we, but we're so busy, and we're doing, trying to publish books and everything. And he said, you will do more with this prayer extra prayer time mm-hmm. the lord will um mm-hmm. will help you to uh, accomplish your apostolate even more so yeah i heard and i don't know if this is correct but i heard that he actually added the half hour in response to a request from some of the sisters to cut the hour in half right oh yes so, you're right yeah you're right. so like so they had asked can we make the hour of adoration a half hour of adoration we just have so much to do and so he went away and he prayed about the question and came back and said no you have another half hour added on top of the <laughs> An hour, hour and a half total <laughs> you right. shall yes. pray more that's right, right. <laughs> which like i mean honestly is i love him even more for it yeah yes yes <laughs> so um. To me, that is like Holy Spirit. And I want to look at those. I want to know who those sisters were and say, (laughs) what were you thinking? But (laughs) I'm sure they're long gone. But yeah, no, I love that story. I love this. And the faith, the faith that 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 shows. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about myself, but I did meet the founder. (laughs) Oh, you did? When he came, yes. Oh, you met the founder when he came came here? It was 63. I was a novice because we had a... Uh, take care of lighting the candles for mass. So I wanted to say something to him because I was taking Italian class. So I was uh, walking with the, the candle extinguisher mm-hmm. in my hand, and I was going very slowly because I wanted to meet him when he came out of the sacristy <laughs> through the sanctuary. <laughs> so I'm going, wah, 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 walking very slowly. And Mother Paula's like, quick, quick, quick. And I, I don't know if she wanted me to move quick, but she wanted the photographer to get his picture. <laughs> and she was trying to get me out of the picture. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't comprehend. I wanted to talk, say something like, thank you, founder, Father Abarione, for coming or something. Oh, wow. You know, because I was the one that put out the candles. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why I was in the forefront of the chapel. In the picture. <laughs> in the picture, yeah. That's awesome. Yes, and Mother Tecla, we met twice, um, mm-hmm. our group. Uh, mm-hmm. She came two different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I hear she was pretty fun. Yes, yes, yeah. She had she had a little uh, like an evening with us, and had d- different little um, I don't want to say jokes, but little quips mm-hmm. uh, from her hometown in no- northern Italy that that had like little meanings 
for for them or for those who hear the story. Mm. And they were like, uh, you know, uh, brought humor to the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I heard she was a little bit of a prankster too. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, love it. Yep. These are our roots. Yes, <laughs> pranks. <laughs> yeah. Well, she Frank's pulled one on me after she died because I was at the folding machine in our our bindery, and I and they I somebody came in the bindery and said, "Mother Tecla just passed away," and I turned really quickly, and my veil got caught in the folding machine. Oh no! Oh, shoot. So I couldn't reach the the switch because it was behind me where the where the veil was stuck in the rollers. So sister. Another sister from the printing machine saw me. She couldn't understand my posture because <laughs> I was sort of looking up at the position? ceiling and waving at her. And, um, and then she finally realized I was stuck in a position. Oh, so dear. she came and turned off the machine and then oh, got me out of the rollers. <laughs> oh, no. Was your veil folded? It was, uh, was looked a little bit of like an accordion. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. this is the machine that would have been folding the paper for the books, right? Right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, funny. So, well, should we um, each go around and, and share our, our biggest takeaway from the conversation, something we might be going away to pray with a little bit? For me, this kind of came out of, um, like you said, Sister Benedicta, remembering what it was like to have people over at my house and like the flurry and terror of it all. Mm-hmm. And and the peaceful moments after. Um, and I guess just reflecting on that and realizing, as we were talking about, the need to acknowledge my own need for quiet and prayer in those flurried moments, I just really feel invited to kind of step back and look at my own life as it is right now and to find those moments that are flurried beyond reasonability, perhaps, <laughs> where the Lord really is inviting me to take a step back um, for a little bit more listening and a little bit more prayer. Yeah, yeah, for me. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay sorry. Uh, well, also, uh, listening came out strongly to me um, because Mary listened to the word of, of God. And Martha did a lot of speaking, but um, but she did reflect afterwards. Martha did because she proclaimed him the son of God, uh, son of the living God. So um, for me, at this particular time of my life, being older now, um, to listen more because um, we had so many years of a lot of activity of printing and binding mm-hmm. and uh, visiting door to door. And uh, and now the Lord is still blessing me with good health, but I want to be more attentive to what he's saying through the voice of others and through, um, the, first of all, through prayer, mm-hmm. uh, which um, I, I really treasure the time of meditation in the morning and uh, mm-hmm. in an hour of adoration yeah. and a half hour of personal prayer. So, mm-hmm. yes, I want to listen more. Yeah, mine's very similar and um, kind of colored a little bit by what you were saying, Sister Oriane, of just how it is the most natural thing for us to be to be in prayer. And and even like that, that quote that I found from uh, Gregory the Great, just like how the one thing for Mary, the um, the better part for Mary was – it's the one thing because God is one. And it's the mm-hmm. one thing because, um, you know, like he says, Martha is concerned about many things. And and we are in this life. But the natural thing is to be concerned about the one thing. And so just kind of as I'm re- reflecting with that and thinking more about um, 
this need for kind of the receptivity and to to just be in silence a little bit. Uh, I think I will be looking a little bit more too um, at my own my own routine, my own schedule, my own day, and and seeing where things might be a little bit out of whack and where maybe I need to kind of adjust and provide a little bit more space, whether it's just, you know, not turning the radio on in the car, you know, whatever it, whatever it needs to be to just kind of give myself that little bit of extra um, time in that natural state that of just focus on the one thing. There's a chapter in The Imitation of Christ. I can't remember if it's in part three of the book or part four, but it says only Jesus. Mm. Only Jesus, and it was it's about intimacy with our Lord mm. uh, to have. So that just came to mind when you were yeah speaking. I'll go check it out. Check it out. Yeah, only <laughs> Jesus. So our, for, for our closing prayer, we thought we would pray the invocations to Jesus Master, which is just um, kind of a litany of invocations to Jesus, who is our Master, Way, Truth, and Life, written by uh, by our founder, Blessed James Alberione. So um, Sister Barbara can, can lead it, and Sister Oriana and I will respond. Jesus, Master, sanctify my mind and increase my faith. Jesus, teaching in the church, draw everyone to your school. Jesus, Master, deliver me from error, from vain thoughts, and from eternal darkness. O Jesus, way between the Father and us, I offer you all and await all from you. O Jesus, way of sanctity, make me your faithful imitator. O Jesus, way between the Father and us, render me perfect as the Father who is in heaven. O Jesus, life, live in me, so that I may live in you. O Jesus, life, do not permit me to be separated from you. O Jesus, life, grant that I may live eternally in the joy of your love. O Jesus, truth, may I be light for the world. O Jesus, way, may I be example and model for souls. O Jesus, life, may my presence bring grace and consolation everywhere. Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life, have mercy on us. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray for us. Saint Paul the Apostle, pray for us. From all sin, deliver us, O Lord. Thank you so much for joining us, Sister Barbara. Oh, it was really you. lovely to have yeah. you. Thank you for inviting me. God bless you. God bless God you. Bless and you. God bless you, everybody who's listening. You'll hear from us again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.